here this week. <clears throat> Amen. Yeah, just stay standing a minute. Glory. Some of you I've seen in this uh, dynamic before. Some I have not. And uh, so, wow, you get me again. I get you again. What a privilege. Well, just like I pack, I'm over-prepared, so you'll have to bear with me a minute. It's really not fair that you guys did this to me, that you get me up here right after this great conference you've had. <laughs> but I forgive you. Amen? Amen. Well, let's pray. Father, we thank you today. To, <coughs> excuse me. Today is the day that you have made and designed an author. From the foundation of the world, you stopped and you saw this day. Today is part of your plan. We're here for the plan. Father, we awaken ourselves. Uh, we stir ourselves. We just step beyond the veil and the limitations of the flesh. We just step because we decide to, over in the flow and over in the spirit. Father, we have been given, I have been given an assignment this week, my wife and I, uh, to talk about the family. What a wonderful assignment. Father, we release our faith at the very outset that revelation will flow free, uh, that lives will be healed, that the good shepherd is and will this week restore our souls where it needs to be restored. Father, I thank you for utterance to be given unto me and my wife today that you'll use us to speak forth as the very oracles of God. It'll be none of us, it'll be all of you. And God, as uh, Dean Graves just said, that Father, that the people gathered here today, they paid money. Uh, they, they, they made sacrifices. They are here, and so I, I pray and I believe that they're not going to waste this opportunity to do their part. Glory to God, uh, as he said, uh, to make a demand on what's available. To have their hearts open, their minds alert. And they've already decided, I believe, they're going to be doers of what they hear. <clears throat> they've already decided, praise God. They're not going to be a forgetful hearer. There's no blessing in uh, being a forgetful hearer. But only the doers get the blessing. And we're here to get the blessing. So we've come to find out what to do. And God, we believe that people will be helped and that most importantly, you will be glorified in all that's done and all that's said in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, you could be seated. Praise God. And uh, I purpose just to take a minute or two here to spy out the land. And uh, it's good to see you all again. Uh, praise God. Where is Elizabeth? Where? There she is. Okay. I didn't know what color to look for. Of course, Elizabeth is one of ours and uh, literally grew up a good portion of her uh, life, not just in our church, but in our home. And uh, uh, so we sent her out here by faith for sure. We sure miss you. Praise God. But uh, hope to get to fellowship with you a little bit today. And uh, so, well, the Lord's had us running around all over the country doing what God's uh, called us to do. It's been kind of a whirlwind season for us, but it's been good. We're so honored and glad to be here. Uh, you should have some different handouts. I know that they're available. <clears throat> um, Doc will just kind of hold on to them for just a moment. And uh, as the Lord leads, I, I have a leading about where to start. And then other than that, uh, we're all walking by faith together, right? 
I think that'll be just fine right there. So like I said, you could open your Bibles this morning to Proverbs chapter number 11. Now we have a first and second year and what? Uh, we have interns with us too? First and second with us today. And so how many of you have been uh, first and second? And third. Awesome. So I got the whole group is what I'm trying to figure out. And so a good portion of you, you've been with me in some family teachings before. Is that right? Amen. Well, you know, there's only so many scriptures on the family and marriage, so don't be surprised if you hear us uh, go over some of the same things again. But it'll all come out different. It'll all come out the way it's supposed to. We've already prayed. Proverbs chapter 11. And uh, you will hear from my wife this week. And uh, at any time, you may hear from her today. I don't know. I would I'd be a little surprised, praise God. But uh, we're really excited to have her with us. Pastor Morgan has said it's really not fair we're getting just one side of the story, but with me coming. But the thing about that is, is it's one side of the story, but it's the right side of the story. Just remember that all week. <laughs> Amen. Amen. All right. Glory to God. Proverbs chapter 11 and uh, verse number 28 and 29. It says, He that trusts in his riches shall fall, but the righteous shall flourish as a branch. He didn't say just in what area. Amen. I like words like flourish. Amen. I like that. I want that for my life. I want that for everything that I'm involved in in my life. But the righteous will flourish as a branch. Now notice verse 29. The Lord stirred me up about this scripture today. He that troubles his own house, what's going to happen to him? Yeah, I know it's Monday. You guys go ahead and get involved with me. Praise God. Amen. He that troubles his own house shall inherit the wind, and the fool shall be servant to the wise of heart. Glory to God. I wanted to just begin today, I believe, by talking about uh, God's mind. And you don't have a handout on this. You just have to take some notes maybe. Uh, but God's mind about family in general. And uh, lest we think that, uh, that God's got us this week on sort of a side issue. You know, they, this, we're filling, they've asked me to fill kind of a gap in the curriculum. Amen. Family is supremely important to God. It is a huge part, even in terms of percentage, of the lion's share of what consists in the plan of God for your life. Amen. And a great uh, qualifier of how far of the other aspects of God's plan for your life that you get to enter into and enjoy will be determined in great measure by how you do in family life. Amen? Uh, and again, I'm just going to kind of get started slow this morning. I, I may ask you some questions, praise God, and just different things. How many of you are here because you believe you're preparing for a role in full-time ministry? Okay, so a portion of you. How many of you believe that you're here preparing for a role in supportive ministry, maybe as paid staff? Amen. How many of you are children of, of ministry family? Okay, how many are uh, here figuring it out? 
that's, a, that's, not a, that's not a less than thing, right? Yeah, amen. Uh, praise God. Well, uh, again, just what I said, it's, it's, it's very true that whatever it is, the, the assignment on your life, it's going to be greatly aided and sped along if you do family right. But if you do family sufficiently wrong, it can be disqualifying. <clears throat> it can be disqualifying, especially in ministry. Amen. And so you may have, you may have a T.D. Jake's preaching gift. I mean, you, you may be able to just preach heaven to earth, right? You may have a tangible anointing and cancer runs like crazy in terror when it sees you coming. Amen. But if your family's tore up, if you're dysfunctional, your children are out of control, you got three divorces on your ledger. According to God's word, now the society out there may not care. They may cheer you on and all that because that's kind of their flow. Amen. Amen. But we're not going to get to our God-ordained end without having God's approval on our life. Perhaps we'll get there. We'll see how the Lord leads us this week. But in giving qualifications for ministry, you know this in 1 Timothy chapter 3, especially in the Amplified, there are about 16 different individual qualifications you know, that chapter opens up, he that desires the office of a bishop, which is a reference to the pastor's office. Uh, generally speaking, it's translated many other ways, an overseer. So he that desires to be a leader, you could say, he that desires to be an overseer, of course, specifically, he's talking about the pastoral office, desires a good work. He desires an excellent task. And then the Amplified will go off and give us the Greek meanings of what we have there in the English in our King James, gives us 16 different qualifications. Only one of those 16 qualifications have anything to do with the pulpit. It says that they should be an apt and capable teacher. Everything else is scrutinizing your personal life, your personal character. Amen. So we're not here this week talking about a side issue. Amen. All of the other things that we want to get over into that God has for us are linked to uh, your family life. Amen? So not only do we want to, you know, we want to do family life well to qualify for the greatest thing that God has for us in life. God has family for us in life. And, uh, you know, the Bible says even under the old covenant that he promised him, if you'll do life my way, God's way, that you can have days of heaven Upon the earth. Amen. Amen? Not just days of heaven at work. Not just days of heaven when you go to church. But amen, days of heaven in your house. Days of heaven at home. Days of heaven with your spouse. Days of heaven with your children and your grandchildren, your parents, your peeps. Amen? Glory to God. So we're getting somewhere, aren't we? So what does this verse tell us maybe about the importance, you forgive me for a minute, I feel like I untied my shoe and I don't want to trip and fall in front of you good people. So I'm going to take a moment and tie that. What is God telling us, what is revealed in this scripture do you think about the mind of God, the place that family has in the mind of God just based on what you see in this one verse? He that troubles his own house, what's he going to get out of it? The wind. Hey, you guys do this for me. Grab you a fistful of wind. Do it. Oh, yeah, open it up. What'd you get? 
You try that a million times, what do you think you're going to end up with? Amen. So what's he saying? The outcome of your life, when you get to your life, what are you going to have to show for it? If you trouble your family, you'll have a fistful of air at the end. Yeah, praise God. Amen. So let's check this out in a couple of different translations before we move away from this verse. Very similarly, the Amplified says, He who troubles his own house shall inherit the wind. Uh, The BBE, that's the Bible in basic English, says the troubler, the troubler of his house will have the wind for his inheritance or his heritage. Amen. You don't want to be the troubler in your home. If there's going to be trouble in your house, let that come from somebody else. Now, that's the thing that makes family difficult. That's the thing that can make family complicated. It's just not up to you. <laughs> but as for me, Joshua, you know, if he had, a fa- he had a wife, he obviously had a household. But notice where, what his declaration was. Notice what he had decided. He said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. I have a role in my family. But I can only do my role. I can't perform my wife's role. You know, I can't, I can't be the dad and, and the brother and the daughter and the, the whole thing. Amen. Amen. That'd be a good thing, by the way. Praise God. I want to, uh, some of you know my, my crew, but uh, if you've not seen my crew, Amber and I have three kids, and they're growing up way too fast on us. Amen. But uh, this is my... This is my crew that balances us out. So Faith is the oldest. She's what, 20? Going on 29. And, uh, and then Rex is uh, 15, 16. Yeah, wow. Is it Monday? Yeah. What time did I go to bed? Okay, you don't want to know. And then Ryan, and she really is 12 going on like 25. And, uh, but really, really a hoot, and God's just uh, really blessed us in our family. Uh, but I can't do Rex's job in the household, you know, amen? But as for me, so we don't want to be the troubler in the home, amen? I've decided I'm going to bless my home, amen? I'm going to do my best to be a leader and an example. So the God's Word translation, the GW of this verse says, Whoever brings trouble upon his family inherits only wind. And that stubborn fool becomes a slave to the wise in heart. Amen. You can be a stubborn fool in your family life and get nothing and become a slave to the wise people, right? I mean, the wise ones are going to win out in the end. It may look like the wise are falling behind, you know, like we're antiquated, out of date, you know, praise God. Uh, But no, when it all, when the dust all settles, it'll be the one that are wise. Amen. Of course, you don't know anything about wisdom, the Bible says, until you get the fear of the Lord established in your life. You have some honor for God, have a respect for God. That's the beginning of wisdom. And when all the dust settles and your life is end and done, amen, uh, praise God, your fruit will stand, you know, for itself. I like the message translation. It says, exploit or, ab- exploit, exploit or abuse your family and end up with a fistful of air. If you exploit and abuse your family, you'll end up with a fistful of air. Common sense tells you that's a stupid way to live. I like the message paraphrase. Amen. Glory to God. So this is how God, we're getting some insight about how God 
uh, thinks about family. Go over to 1 Timothy. Let's look at another. We'll just look at a passage or two, of two to get started that will give us some insight into how sobering, how vitally important in the mind of God and the plan of God <clears throat> that uh, our family life is. 1 Timothy chapter 5. Now, how many of you are married? Raise your hand if you're married. Okay. <laughs> hey, brother, get your hand up. <laughs> how many of you have children? Amen. How many of you, of you are single, saved, and satisfied? All right. Okay. I like it. Triple S, right? Needs to be a t-shirt. I'm single. I'm saved, I'm satisfied. What did Megan Trainer say? My name is? No. My number is? Okay. Praise God. Don't ask me how I know that song. All right. Anyway. All right. Did you find it? 1 Timothy 5, 8. All right. 1 Timothy 5 and verse number 8. It says, but if any provide not for his own. Who's his own? Yeah, his own house, his own family. If any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he has denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Yowzers, right? <clears throat> How's that to wake us up this morning? Praise God. Does God expect us to do right by our loved ones? The first reference there is a reference to your extended family. And then the ultimate emphasis is on your nuclear family. Amen. So even though I have paid my bills, if my, my mom, if my dad, amen, were to find themselves in a way, then the Bible expects me to do everything within my power to help my family, to be there for my my parents in old age. And notice again, we're looking for insight into the kind of the mindset and the attitude of God toward family. How serious is this? You don't take care of your own family? He says, you've denied the Christian faith. You have just flat denied the Christian faith and you're worse than an infidel. Shazam. Amen. Now you could limit this to, if you want to call them breadwinners or talking to men or, you know, just finances, but it didn't say that. It said provide for. Amen. And of course that includes financial provision, but amen. We should provide love for our family, stability for our family, every good gift for our family. And so this, this is, this is huge. This is huge in the plan of God. I, I don't want my Christian, I don't want my family Life to advertise, I've denied the faith, I'm worse than an infidel. Yeah, amen. So, you know, if our faith, our Christian faith, if it blesses and benefits anyone, it ought to bless and benefit our family. So again, to those called to ministry, those, those in ministry, those in ministry families, okay, you've got faith and, and uh, you have an anointing for praise and worship or or you're really, your, your development in life is really blessing people in the local church. What about your family? What about your family? And you know there's a special grace on your family because they're going to get to see you in your 
flesh. <laughs> and one of the decisions that I try to reaffirm pretty often, especially after a long season where I've been, demands have been placed on me, maybe I've given out, uh, I don't do a lot of counseling, but I'm in a season now where I'm, I'm, I'm in some intense counseling sessions with some situations back home. And, you know, I do, my, I do my utmost, I do my best to help be a blessing, to help repair whatever's going on, to be a blessing, to be an answer. And so I, I prepare, I show up, I pray, I'm in the Word, I endeavor to hear from God. And, and then, you know, if you're just in people's mess as a pastor, I mean, that's what you're going to be in people's mess. And they're going to make demands on you. Amen. And so this one situation I'm thinking about now, it's, it's, it's scheduled it because of their opportunity to meet with me. It's at the very end of my day. Well, by that, by the time that meeting is over, you know, I'm just kind of spent. Well, it's not fair for me to just go give my best to a couple I really don't know all that well and then come home and not provide my best for those at home. So I just, you know, have to make a quality decision that I'm not going to give strangers the best of me. but to provide for my own household. If my faith, if my faith and my walk with God blesses anyone, if your faith blesses anyone, it ought to, it ought to bless your family. Amen. You know, I think in some people's uh, estimation, maybe unconsciously, they get figured out they've got a call in their life and they elevate that uh, to such preeminence that uh, to, you know, forgive my French here, the, to the family be damned, I have a call. I like the way Dr. Summerall said it. He said, uh, when God calls a man, he calls his whole family. He has considered his whole family. And there's a place and provision for the whole family. You know, God calling somebody to pastor, God is, that call from God is never torn up. Not one ministry's family. God didn't do that. That's not God's design. You know, I dreamed of a family and... Uh, I know some of you, you know me a little bit, and I'm, you know, my wife will tell you, uh, I, I'm not afraid, I'll just, if you, if you need something this week, you know, you just pull it out of me, praise God, I'll just tell you, the good, and the bad, and the ugly, and the R-rated, and whatever, and, uh, but uh, I come from a broken home, I, I, I know what it's like to move around, I, I know what it's like to to have your dad there one day and then not have him for years after that, you know, pretty much. I, I know what it's like to have an abusive stepdad. I, I understand what some of this is. And so coming up and dreaming, one of my, one of my premier dreams uh, in life was to have a family. And when God called me to ministry, I talked to him about it. I said, Father, this is the way I put it. I said, I am not willing to sacrifice my family on the altar of ministry. That's a good way to say it, right? I am not willing to sacrifice my family on the altar of ministry. And he just spoke right back to me. He said, you'll never have to. Amen. If you're called to ministry, whatever you're called to do, don't be afraid of it. What did Jeremiah 29, 11 say? Anybody know what Jeremiah 29, 11 says? For I know the plans that I have for you, plans to destroy you. <clears throat> plans to put a heavy burden on you <laughs> to turn your kids wild and rebellious to rob you of all joy and fun no what does it say 
plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a future, to bring you to a prosper, to give you an expected end. In other words, I'm going someplace. We're going someplace. Amen. And my family's going with me to that place. Amen. Hallelujah. Pretty good, right? Amen. So taking care of our family, this verse in 1 Timothy 5, 8 gives us some more insight into the mind of God and how serious it is in His mind that we do family correctly. Amen. Now, let's go to one more place in this vein of, of thought, and that's Exodus 34. Exodus 34. And uh, while you're turning there, I'll read the message paraphrase of the scripture we were just at which is 1 Timothy 5, 8 in the message, it says, anyone who neglects to care for family members in need repudiates the faith. That's worse than refusing to believe in the first place. Yeah. So it's just not my call to preach that I'm going to talk to Jesus about when I see him. It's going to be what I did as a husband, what I did as a father, what I, what I do... And a Lord willing as a granddad. Amen. And this verse is really gonna this verse is really gonna show it out. Exodus 34, 7. Praise God says, talking about the Lord, talking, it's kind of in a vein. I just gave you the one verse. We've lifted it out of context, but you know, we're keeping it in the in the frame. Talking about God, talking about who He is, talking about what God's like. Picks it up in verse 7 and says, keeping mercy. So that's what God does. He keeps mercy for thousands. Forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will and that will by no means clear the guilty. You know, you're guilty before God, you're guilty. Now don't forget, there's mercy. <laughs> but God is never gonna call the guilty innocent. He's never gonna give you wink, wink, pass, pass, I didn't see that kind of thing. God's a truth teller. And so he by no means clears the guilty. Now, here's the phrase I want to talk about for a second. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and fourth generation. Let's go back to our original question. What's the subject at hand? What? How does God, is this a light thing, family? Is this, a, is this should I be thinking about this in a, in a, in a dominant way? <laughs> Amen. Well, what I want to show you here is a few things that God visits. The way this thing works is my life is going to have an impact. It's going to have a very direct and effectual impact on not less than three generations. Me, my kids, their grandkids, and it says it can extend to the fourth. And so what kind of aroma is our life going to leave? going to stink to high heaven for generations amen our generations that are our, our kids our grandkids that come and their kids are are they going to spend big measures of their young adult lives their adult lives overcoming all the crap that you put in front of them or are they going to be uh living in the spiritual momentum of the blessing that you laid down You know, a couple sessions at home, I've been talking about to my church about 
uh, the dark side. As I'm in a series on Sunday morning called The Dark Side. I'm talking about, you know, October and all the, you know, whatever. And just kind of pulling the curtain back on the devil. Yeah. And, uh, but the devil, he, he knows how this thing works. And he could just get some momentum going in a family. And then just stand off and watch that dark, destructive, demonic, dysfunctional cycle repeat itself over and and all he has to do is just kind of blow on it, come and give it a push, keep the momentum going. And generation after generation after generation will continue to get divorced, uh, you know, uh, have problems with their mind, poverty, all kinds of things. Amen. And God wants to flip that whole thing on its head. Amen. Now, when you think about Abraham, you don't think about Abraham by himself, do you? The Bible doesn't, when, you know, yes, the Bible will talk about Abraham individually. But for the most part, you know, as he's remembered, we'll talk about this probably in session two a little bit. Uh, praise God, it's Abraham, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Amen. Now, I don't want to get too far out ahead of myself, but God gave Abraham an assignment that would outlive him. And Isaac and Jacob. And the only way that Jesus got into the earth was because somebody got family right. And the momentum of Abraham's life, and then Isaac, when the baton is in his hand, he had his role, he had to do it right. And then he's gone, he passes that to Jacob, and on down you get to where we can get Jesus in the earth. You all remember in Genesis, it says explicitly why God chose Abraham for the assignment that he gave him. For he knew, God said he knew that he would command his children right after him. That he would lay down a legacy that he would lay down a heritage of faith that would initiate enough momentum to carry that, what, I, don't, I have to look at it again, 14 generations, 24 future generations to get to Jesus. How important is family to the plan of God? Huge, huge. And so that's why I brought up, thank you, Lord, that uh, that sermon series, the Lord has helped me say in both sessions in a context I'd never really thought about it before, and that is, you know, the Bible says that there is no human being that lives unto himself and dies unto himself. You're not living your life unto yourself. And you're not going to die unto yourself. One of the ways you can understand that phrase, that scripture is to understand, is that I'm not living here in a human bubble, and I can just mess it up foul it up, go wild, blow hell wide open, and it not affect anyone other than me. How many of you sitting here today, you're still overcoming things in family life? I'm going to ask you to be brave this week. Amen. We'll overcome it. Overcome it. Well, it's hard. It'll be easier for your kids. 
someone in that to turn that thing around. Thank God, it, someone's going to have to do the hard work of renewing their mind and getting whole and and forgiving and doing it different and breaking habits and going a different direction than how they came up. Why pass that assignment on to your kids or to your grandkids? I'm standing here today because a man named Lee Cody said enough's enough. You're not living under your, I'm not. I'm not living, in, living under myself. I'm not dying under myself. This is why, you know, and the higher up you go, amen, the, the more the devil would relish taking you out. The Bible says, strike the shepherd. What happens to the sheep? The sheep are scattered. In my city, I've lived in my city 20 years, pastoring in my city. I've seen churches rise and fall. I've seen pastors, you know, do family wrong get disqualified, make bad decisions, scatter their sheep all over the place. They won't walk into another church. You know, they're bitter, they're angry, they're upset. You know, they're just, if they're doing anything, they'll read their Bible at home, watch a Christian TV. In one sense, you don't blame them. In another sense, they need to get over it. Because the Bible's still the Bible, and they still need a pastor. So, so I live conscious. I live conscious that I, I just can't let my mind go squirrely. I, I just can't just, you know, let her loose for a weekend. You know, I just can't, I don't have any, mo- I don't have any more wild oats to sow. Because it won't just be me. It'll be this lady. It'll be our kids. It'll be our church. It'll be the plan of God. It'll be generations to come. People are not sober. People are not sober and people are so selfish. Just the society just aren't they just drowning in selfishness, seeped in it, seeped in it. Yeah. So you know if you're having to over if you you know you're dealing with things and you're overcoming things, hey, you, you you're on a good mission, you're on a good task. And God has sent my wife and I to help you. <laughs> Amen. To help you right that ship. We're not here to beat up on your mom and dad. Amen. But we need to recognize, and that's one thing I would like you all to help me this week. I've never done this before, but I had this thought. I'd like you to, I'd like you to maybe submit to me. Can I give an assignment, Dean Graves? Okay, I am the teacher this week. Um, if, if there's something that stands out to you about your experience coming up in your family, and you would say on the negative side, here are a couple of things I will never repeat. I recognize that is wrong. That was not helpful. I'm not doing that. What is that? Help me know that. And then what, what about on the positive side? These are definite things that I saw were a, were a blessing and an aid in my home. And I'm going to carry that forward. I'd like to know that. And you will, you'll empower me and my knowledge and my wisdom and going forward ministering to other folks about the family. Another thing uh, while I'm thinking about it is um, uh, Amber and I are going to work in some question and answer times. And you can, we'll have parts of our time carved out where you can just openly ask a question, but some of them you may want them to be anonymous. And if you'll just write those things down, piece of paper, uh, and is that right, get them to you? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. 
Yeah. Type them at home. Print them on an anonymous, whatever. But listen, uh, again, now, my wife and I, we reserve the right to say, hey, that's none of your business, or I don't know, or whatever. But if you're brave enough to ask it, we'll do everything we can to answer it. Amen. And uh, because it's helpful. It's helpful. Amen. So what were we talking about? We're not living to ourselves. We're not dying to ourself. That our life is impacting those around us. And it, the residue of that will have, uh, will have impact for generations to come. If the Bible is the Bible and it is. and Words mean things, right? Another thing we want to point out about this verse. This is the passage where, where people will pull out the phrase generational curse. Notice here it's, it seems to indicate that God visits. Now don't you think in your head curses. It didn't say that. It says that God visits the iniquity of the fathers to the children and to their children's children to the third and fourth generation. Now of course that's old covenant. That's pre-Calvary. We're living over here in the light of Galatians 3.13. Christ has redeemed us. So even if there was a curse, we're not living under the curse. You're not cursed. Get off the surfboard of that excuse. You're not cursed. Amen. But as Pastor Nancy's pointed out so skillfully, uh, we don't believe in generational curses, but we do recognize the devil works in patterns. And that's what I said, you know, we're not living into ourselves, we're not dying into ourselves, and our life and our family life will take on momentum. You know, and you, you, you have it, and, and part of it should be a wonderful, unique thing. Uh, the Ramoses have a family culture. It's one of laughter and joy and spam. And, and. Is that right, sir? Yeah. Good food and and prayer, and loving God, and being a word family, and moving with the Holy Ghost, and living for the plan, and not Friday. But there's, there's a culture about being a Ramos. Joy. Yeah, sorry, yeah, joy. Amen. There's a culture in the Graves family, right? And, and there's, there's a culture in the Cody flow. We share a lot of things, but we're holy, we're holy unique too. Amen. Thank you, Father. You think about, I haven't left my place or my thought, but think about Genesis 12, the covenant God made with Abraham. He said, if you'll do what I say do, go where I say go and trust me. That's basically God's outline, the way I would say it, of what God asked him to do. He said, I'll bless you. I'll bless you. And then what did he tell him? I'll make your name great. He said, I'll make your name great. What did God say? The Cody translation would say, I'll make you famous. That's right. That's right. Amen. Amen. I'll make your name known. It'll be a name that has regard with it. And as Abraham roamed around in that massive tent with his 300 servants and all of his, I mean, people knew that's Abraham right there. God lives in that tent over there. Don't mess with that guy. Look at what, he's blessed. Amen. 
And so part of the covenant of the blessing is that when we do the word in our family, that whatever your name is, he's going to make that name great. That when the Cody name is mentioned, it's not going to be associated with abuse and pain and failure and unfruitfulness and sorrow. But there's going to be God associated with it and joy associated and faith and anointing and fruitfulness associated with it. Now it's not going to happen overnight. But it's all about setting a course and and fixing your heading and staying with it. Amen. So anyway, back to this. He said, um, visiting, thank you, visiting the iniquity of the fathers. Really what's happening here, I did uh, sort of a deep dive study on these uh, words, visiting and iniquity. And this word iniquity is not just a cookie cutter synonym for sin. Okay, if you look it up, check me out. The Hebrew word literally means a crack or a fault line. A crack or a fault line. So don't you, you have to have some understanding here. God is not saying because your granddaddy was a womanizer, bless God, your children and grandchildren will be womanizers too. How, if that was true, how could those Uh, kids and grandkids legally, justly, rightly, morally be held responsible for a sin that was pronounced as a foregone conclusion in their life because of what Grandpa did. Does that sound like the God you know? It doesn't sound like the God I know. That's not the God we know. That's not the God we serve. So the, the, the destiny to commit the sins of our forefathers is not what's visited This visited does mean passed on, like a heretical trait almost. Amen. And that's kind of where they get the idea of the curse from. What is being passed on is a crack in the nature or the character of the personality. Huge difference. Amen. Huge, huge difference. So uh, I don't know how close we are to the San Andreas fault line. Uh, are you close? Maybe living on it. Praise God. You know, where we live, we're uh, uh, in a very similar, one of the most active fault lines in the continental U.S. is the, the New Madrid fault line. And it runs right through where we live also. Well, what is a fault line? What is the San Andreas fault line? What is that? It's a weakness. It's a weakness. It, it's a place of friction. Where those two plates of the earth's crust are, are rubbing together. It's a, yes, great word. It is a, pre, it's a bent, uh, an inclination to go that way. I'm sure it's this way in Texas, but in Oklahoma, all of our trees are, they have a bent. They have a bent toward the right because they're leaning into the wind. And so they have a bent. Amen. Why do you stake a tree early on? You don't want it to have a particular bent. You want the thing to be upright. You want the thing to go up and down. So what, what, and this is so significant, it's not a curse, but if we, and we have been the recipients of this, good or bad, right? That what's been passed on is a propensity 
a bent, a vulnerability, a tendency to yield to a certain sin. And what does the devil do? All he has to do is apply pressure. And what do you do? You get an earthquake. You get a manifestation. So these fault lines, these bents, these propensities, these tendencies to go a certain way, they're not just patterns of behavior that we learn and see. That's huge too. But there's a crack in the character that... that, resides for three or four generations. Pastor, what do I do? Well, you fortify that. You recognize, you be self-aware. I'm going to have to take a break here in a minute. You have to be self-aware. Pay attention. So on my dad's side, my dad's dad, uh, he had some marks about him. He was a womanizer. Uh, He was a drunk. Uh, he tended to drink a lot. And those were sort of the two most outstanding favorite sins. Okay? And so, uh, you know, he, he introduced pornography to my dad at 10 or 12 years old, handed him the magazine. Go for it, son. You know, that's not a good thing to do. And uh, so what did Ben and I have to deal with? Those same sort of issues. Revelers, partiers, you know, womanizers and, and, and drinkers. Amen. So now my kids, they're not, they don't know any of that. They, they don't know any of that. And this is in sex, next session. I can kind of see where we might go. But, um, but me knowing that today, just in myself, I'm endeavoring to live far from the line of all sin. I don't want to commit any sin. But I've done extra things to to build up walls of fortification against the temptation where those fault lines have been passed on. I'm extra sensitive about my dealings with the opposite sex. I go to the gym, work out. I I put off this vibe on purpose. I'm in my, just kind of, I'm not trying to be rude, but just, I'm not, I I try to put off a, I'm not approachable vibe. Shine my ring extra. (laughs) You know, you, I, I like to go work out, I like the gym, but that is a flesh buffet right there. You know, and I'm married and I'm sanctified, but I'm not dead. I heard Brother Copeland say that recently. He said, I may be 80-something, but I'm not dead. Right? And there's just certain things I don't do. Standards that I've put in place in my life. I'm not afraid, but I'm sober. I don't toy around with any degree. I have no zero, zero tolerance for alcohol. I don't have guys night. It's amazing to me if Christians that are married and have kids have guys night and girls night. And it's, it's fine to have fellowship, but man, I, the, the couple I'm counseling now, I mean, that's how they got in big, big trouble. Well, yeah, the restaurant has a bar. Oh, yeah, but let, let's, come on, don't be such a fuddy day. Let's just have just one. And then before long, you know, you've tore up, tore up things. Amen? The Bible says abstain 
from the very appearance of evil. Right? Now, see, I know me, but what about you? Amen? Maybe you need to talk to the Father. But you, you walk, you're with you all the time. And you, you probably don't need to pray half a second to know what your bent is, what your vulnerabilities are. You know, in some families, it's, it's beating each other up. Uh, some, whatever, some families, it's poverty. For some, for some families, it's such a toxic mix, it almost just looks hopeless. Uh, but nothing's too hard for the Lord. Right. Nothing's too hard for God. Amen? Amen. And uh, thank God for the blood of Jesus. Amen. Thank God for redemption. Amen? All right, so that's, that's the first session. We'll take a, what, a 10-minute break, and we'll, we'll come right back. You're welcome. <clears throat> so if we could do that, uh, leaving a legacy. Mm-hmm. Uh,